boys and girls. It's Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. We are still unhappily socially distanced. Um, uh, I think next week is the first episode that we'll be back at a brew. Did Jared just fall? Apologies. <laughs> oh, Lord. See, that's why, two, two. that's why we need the video for these shows, because it's, it's so much more entertaining. Um, if you haven't figured it out, I've got Jason and Jared from uh, from Listerman, and we are going to talk to um, one of the best breweries in Cincinnati, according to Cincinnati.com. And uh, you guys created quite a stir on one of the uh, shit show Facebook groups um, because of somebody's opinion. <laughs> Which yeah. is ridiculous. Well, if we're reporting this accurately, would you say that we're one of or say something else? Oh, I would say you're definitely one of the best breweries in Cincinnati. Ah, okay. I thought the article said something different. I'm just, I mean, it, it's, I mean, there's so many great breweries here. I mean, it, it's certainly very hard to even make it, I mean, a top five list, but to be perfectly honest, you know, what are the, what are the criteria? What's coming in there? So like, just. I, I, I'm, it's just very nice to be put on that list, and honestly, it could have been any any number of people on that list. And uh, yeah, so I'm certainly thankful that uh, you know at least uh, that opinion uh, of us is out there. Um, and uh, you know, it's just we just try to make good beer. Hopefully, we do it right. Well, clearly, so. you're doing something right, and um, I think that's definitely hard to argue, no matter who you are. Um, although you, with the world we live in, I guess anybody can argue anything. But um, you, you guys have you guys have been chugging along for how how many years now? What is it? Twelve. Twelve. I mean, that's especially here in Cincinnati. That's impressive. There's not a lot of breweries that can say that. Um, I don't know the stats for around the country of how old the average brewery in this country is, but I'm going to say probably less than five years for the average brewery. So um, clearly you're doing something right. And you guys somehow managed to um, capture as, as this world keeps evolving and as craft beer drinkers keep evolving, you managed to kind of capture what that means and put the Listerman spin on it. And uh and still stay true to who you are, which we'll get to who you guys are today versus who you were uh, 10 years ago. And uh, we'll get to all that. But first, I need to crack open a beer because I have not had one yet today. Um, this is not as fun. Oh, Lord. This is not as fun as when you're in a brewery and you get to just pick from what's on tap. I decided to dive <laughs> into the fridge. Uh, but pre-prohibition lager. Uh, nice. a, uh, I can uh, I can match you if you give me a second. I can probably find a cold one somewhere. I think ahead, that would Jared. be appropriate. <laughs> you, you need a beer today. You need a beer. Oh, uh, okay. Kind of touch oh. on that too is it. that you know it's really a testament to the, the team that we put together. Uh, I would put our team up against you know any brewery uh, in the city from a brewing standpoint, and um, think that you know we have creative dudes that are dedicated and 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 uh, dudes and gals. And it really shows. Um, the proof is in the pudding, so to speak. And, um, you know, our team is just, I, I put them up against anybody. We've done a really good job cultivating uh, them and and um, making sure we get the best out of them and their, their occasion time and time again. How 
do you keep those creative juices flowing in a place like Listerman where some people would say it's really easy just to crank out a bunch of those standard barrel aged beers that you guys have been doing forever. Some people would say it's easy to just, Oh, just push out a bunch of pastry stouts. Some people say, Oh, just the new England IPAs. How do you keep, how do you keep all of those wheels spinning at once and then still keep pushing into other kind of realms, be it loggers or whatever else it may be. How do you do that? Uh, very carefully. Um, it, it helps, you know, we, we have this conversation five, six, seven years ago, we're talking about, Hey, what's your brewery flagship? What's your brewery flagship? Well, you know, we don't only really have a flagship beer. Our flagship beer is kind of creative or innovative styles and in beers. Um, and that allows us to then continue to do that. So we don't have, you know, we're in six Kroger. We have two beers and six Kroger. So, you know, what that means is they're the only account that we have to have beer in all the time or they'll take you off the shelves. We, we love Jungle Gyms. We love Cappies. But if we don't have Nutcase for a week or two, they're okay with it. They'll put another one of our beers on there. Uh, but, you know, so we have very few accounts that we have to have beer at. And that gives us kind of the agility to not be a slave to those larger accounts and, um, you know, really let them drive what we do. We're able to do what we want. Um, and we have a pretty small brewery. So, you know, we have just the next turn in the beer tanks planned out. And so if something comes up, um, you know, microphone sends us a message. Uh, hey, we're going to be in town on the way to a festival. You guys want to make a beer? Yeah, we got a tank open. You know, let's have a tank open for any of our friends that are coming in town or brought a great idea to us. Within two weeks, we can brew that beer. So it's 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 a uh, it's a big benefit to not have to lock down things that are everywhere. I guess before we get too deep into um, where you guys are going here in the current. Um, state of things we need to talk about how you guys have fared throughout the last couple months um it's been really weird for a lot of us beer drinkers you know we're used to sitting at a bar and having a beer and 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 doing that whole side of the craft beer thing but for you guys it's a whole other ball game this is like this was like life or death kind of stuff for a lot of people and i think a lot of a lot of folks we're terrified that all of our breweries were going to close. <laughs> I heard people telling me that oh, half of the, the breweries in Cincinnati are probably going to close after all this is said and done, which is debatable if that, you know, I, I guess you could still make that argument that in the next, however long it's still possible. But, um, how have you guys done? How are you doing? Because it still isn't normal. Um, talk about this, this process a little bit. We're doing better uh, than we should be. Just straight up. <laughs> Better than we should be. Uh, you guys were never a big distribution brewery. Like you, you talked about, you, you how many Kroger source? Four? Six. Six. I mean, it, you don't, you're not known for that place that people just run out to their, their local bottle shop and grab your releases off the shelf. We do that, especially people like me that live on the other side of the universe. But, it, it, I, I mean, so... You can, but you know, like you guys are a taproom brewery first and foremost. How do you, how do you, how do you make that switch? What does that switch look like? Um, I don't know. So, do you want to take that one, Jason? Yeah, sure. Um, 
there are several different avenues we've been able to kind of capitalize on. Uh, we, we do have a rather large distribution market and our sales, our sales guy is freaking star. Um, so able to say, Hey, we have this much beer. What can you sell? Where can you put it? And so we were able to sell out throughout the market. You know, our, our suppliers in the market have been, um, priceless jungle gyms, Kroger, Cappies, uh, White Oak, um, Barrel House when they open back up. I mean, the list goes on and on about how great uh, uh, Root Cellar, uh, you know, the list goes on and on. We let, we thank them every week on our Facebook page where you can find our beer. So the list goes on and on about how great our has been and taking beer for us and helping us out um, with that. Um, some other avenues we've been able to uh, take advantage of our tap room. We still have a lot of people show up and buy a to-go beer. I'm actually like so, so thankful for our customers and, and one day we'll be able to pay it back. Um, but, you know, they've been keeping us afloat by just coming and buying beer from the to-go window. It's, it's really been incredible to see how much money we've been able to, uh, not money, but how much product, I guess it's the same thing, <laughs> product we've been able to, to, to push out through that window is just remarkable and, um, it's humbling really. And, um, we have set up a couple uh, strategic relationships with some distributors. Um, so we go to, and they're all the Chicago is always begging for our beers. Um, so we sent some beer to Chicago and then, um, in Wisconsin, we had a good relationship set up when we went out there for a great taste of the Midwest, uh, with that distributor out there. So we're able to push some beer out in Wisconsin. Um, and then Tavor has also been a huge uh, outlet for us for beer, um, and they've been a great partner. And they're just they're doing so well. They're buying whatever we have. Um, we could we could uh, more or less just send beer to out our to go window in Tavor and uh, sold out all of our product. That's um, yeah. So they've been a great partner throughout all of this, and um, you know. It's been a blessing to be have all these strategic relationships that we've kind of built up over the years, and you know, it's it all it's all and and then it really does come back to the people walking up and buying stuff from our to go window. We would in very different having a very different conversation if that didn't happen. So I'm very thankful to the people of Cincinnati and people that drive through the buyer product. So you guys just sort of opened your tap room back up in some kind of limited capacity reserved tables only um how does that work with you guys and this this show will go up on this coming monday so i'm, I'm assuming it will still be that way then so yeah well it depends on who you ask is it the worst idea ever or the best idea ever <laughs> so you know but we have seven tables available so we kind of had to do something a little out of the box uh we have we have outdoor space, but it's the outdoor space is seven feet wide so you can't really do anything there um, so we just have to kind of do with what we have. So, you know, we have seven tables. It's go online, reserve a table. It's $10 for the entire table. You leave, you get a gift card, uh, for next visit. And then you can come in, um, if we have tables available, sit down at it, you get a table. Um, and if someone has a reservation in a half hour, 45 minutes, and you got to leave for that. Um, or if it's, we're full, you know, buy some to go beer and come back at another time. Right. Um, so we, we have, a, we have a lot of space. I feel like we have a lot of space. Um, and certainly during Xavier games, <laughs> it pushes it to the limit on how many people we can get in there, but it's like crowded space. So 
in the current conditions of everyone's facing the same thing. So it's really hard to, complain. but you know, we just don't have that much space for with what the way things need to be right now. What kind of um, response have you seen from people coming back out? And I know it's really early to, to say any, any of that, but what kind of response have you guys seen from people ready to get back in a tap room versus people that are still kind of freaked out by it and staying home? Um, I don't, I don't know. So we, uh, we, the way we kind of planned it too was so that we missed a big rush. Right. Like we didn't want to be one of the first ones open so that people would just rush in and we have crowds we had to deal with. Um, but you know, we just kind of, uh, you know, people are excited to be there. We're excited to have them. I can't tell you like how it feels to drink a beer off of a draft system is something just like I hopefully will never take for granted ever again. I'm with uh, you on that one. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's just, it's just, I respect people that want to stay home. I appreciate the people that want to come in and, you know, the people that stay home are still buy, uh, going to the to-go window and buying beer. So, you know, enjoy our beer at home or our tap room. It doesn't matter to us. We just appreciate so the last time you guys were on the show was about a year ago and we were talking so much longer i know there's been there's been a lot that's happened since (laughs) a pandemic ago we talked a lot about um expansion and where listerman goes in the future what that picture looks like uh, soon after that, the article came out about this German beer hall that you guys were planning. Um, what's the status of that? I uh, I can't help but think, and it will, you know, to kind of go down another rabbit hole. I was um, up in Mason today and drove by the the Basils up there that had a brewery in planning, and they still have brewery equipment just sitting in their parking lot on a trailer. No movement at all with a project like that what does it look like for somebody like you guys that this is a big kind of thing that has to shift and move and, um, and, and change what Listerman looks like really. Yeah. So, you know, we've gone back and forth on things and, you know, luckily we are still in the lease negotiation standpoint. So um, we're kind of in a really good spot. Uh, I don't know if our potential landlord would say that, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're kind of in a really good spot where, you know, we can kind of take it easy. We, we are still committed to the beer hall and street, and I believe that's where we're ultimately going to end up. Um, but with a company like our limited resources, uh, we have to make sure we're taking the right steps at the right times. You know, is it a great idea to open a restaurant and brewery right now? It's not, right. um, but you know, could it be a great idea in a year? Yeah, I think so. And I think that's what our team is, is, is moving towards. Um, it's kind of planning that we could absolutely use the brewing space right now. So it's kind of like, you know, let's get in there and make, build the brewery. And then, you know, we can use that production capacity to start making money. So it's not a completely total dead door stopper. Like we need the restaurant as well. Um, we want the restaurant. We want the, the German aspect and bring that back to Cincinnati. Um, so it's definitely something we're moving forward with. It's just, you know, not something we are moving forward with, with extreme vigor, if that makes sense. Well, it's 
it's terrifying when I think about it from a business perspective that, you know, yes, things are, are seemingly uh, starting to go back to normal now. People are venturing back out of their houses, you know, the bright <laughs> sunlight. And, um, but, you know, everybody still talks. So it, does it come back this fall? Does it, you know, this next winter? Is it something that's going to return every single year? And it's like if you dump all of this capital into creating this new space and then this is something that pops back up and people are hold up in their houses again. What does that mean for the, you know, you guys made it through this once. Can you do it again? If you've just dumped all of this into a new space, it's, it's scary. It's uh, everything is really terrifying right now. <laughs> and I don't know how, how you navigate that and how you keep, how you keep adapting to things. I mean, on the other hand, it's, it, this is craft beer. Adaptation is kind of the name of the game and that's, that's how it all became what it is but um at a certain point this this becomes something else that you know it's it's harder to adapt to those changes i think does that make sense yeah no it does and it's you know it's a great unknown you know this could be over in six months it could be over in six weeks it could be over in six years uh, I, don't, I don't think it's six weeks mind you but you know, it's just like we learned something new about this thing every week and you know we just have to make the best decisions with the information we have at hand uh, and just and just kind of go from there you know i think with the team that we have in place with the the, the plan that we have in place i think that you know ultimately it'll be great um and you know if it's delaying opening for you know, construction for another six months you know i'm okay i'm, I'm okay where our landlords say the same thing maybe maybe not and then we can look elsewhere downtown you know, so it's just, you know, making sure it's the right situation for us and our employees and our customers and, and forward. So there's 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 no right or wrong answer. And we just kind of try to make the best decision with the information that we have. And, you know, it's 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 funny. Um, Jared and I were having a conversation back. This is probably like, you know, March 20th or no, it was after. Um, as of probably like March 30th, you know, we're in, we're in lockdown, uh, uh, whatever it's called, uh, uh, quarantine shelter in place, uh, shelter in place, you know, Utah just ruled their breweries are non-essential. Um, so they're not allowed in the building. Jared and I are talking about what to brew and, you know, we made all stouts. Every tank was filled with the stout. Mm, or loggers. We had loggers. That's loggers. And fucking so longer had, than anything uh, ever. <laughs> we had like four package loggers and six package stouts. And, you know, and we didn't have an IPA because our IPA sold like crazy during quarantine. We, you know, we just packaged like 300 cases of IPAs and we we're probably out of those in two weeks. It was stupid how fast we went through our IPAs. Oh, I, we had fights about talking about IPAs because just didn't understand the market, what it was going to look like. And, uh, you know, I was advocating being far more cautious. Um, at the time, so, we didn't even know if we'd be allowed back in the building. So, you know, we agreed to just brew all stouts and lagers. And at the time, it was a great decision. Um, you know, it didn't it certainly didn't hurt us. Um, you know, we still were able to sell that beer and package that beer. But just an example of like hindsight being 2020, we should have made a lot more IPAs. <laughs> I've been loving it because I feel like that's been the case with a few breweries where um, they're, the, the lager game has stepped up a little bit. The, uh, um, the the summertime stouts, like all that stuff that like probably I wouldn't be getting if all of this hadn't happened. My fridge is full of it. And I'm, 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 I'm loving it right now. <laughs> yeah. 
So, I mean, and, and so we just have to make the, the best decisions that we have in, in, in hand. And, you know, hopefully the lessons that we learn from this are things we never have to deal with ever again. Um, but, you know, we kind of learn what we can learn and, and move forward and you know, to make the decision for what's going to happen in six months. So what, you know. what are the lessons from this? I think that, you know, we kind of underestimated how much to go beer we would sell and how much beer people actually drank during the quarantine. We sold a lot of, a lot of packaged beer and uh, I've talked to a lot of breweries that also sold a lot of packaged beer. And I just didn't, I don't think anyone saw that's the only thing breweries could do. So they were making beer and packaging it, but I just didn't see, certainly didn't see the uptick in, in what was happening uh, for sure. Does it's, that... uh, it's really lucky that we had uh, our canning line came in when it did. Um, Cause if we didn't have that canning line, it's it certainly uh, a different picture. Yeah, I, think, uh, I think we got our canning line in on, you know, April 2nd or like March 30th. It was kind of like stupid timing for, uh, you know, our line. It was just like came in at just literally the perfect time. We were mobile canning, but not super comfortable having outside people in the building. Um, so getting that canning line, uh, even though we weren't able to have them come out and train us on it, we were able to get that up and running. Uh, certainly helped us through these trying times for sure. So do you talk about the, uh, the amount of packaged beer you guys sold through this? Does that shape kind of how you're going to sell beer? going forward with more of a push towards packaging and more of a push towards maybe, you know, keeping delivery going or things like that. Or once the tap room is back up and running normal, it's just, you know, back to, uh, to things as, as usual. Uh, well, it's, it's the second part, but it's the fear that the second part of being up and normal, uh, is far away. So, you know, normally we're packaging, you know, 80 cases of beer, doing 10 half barrels of kegs, um, you know, some for the tap room, some for the market. The market isn't really taking many kegs. So we're doing like, and the tap room certainly isn't going through kegs. So we're, you know, don't have much data. It's been open for a day at this point. Um, so, you know, we're only doing two kegs off of a batch. Um, actually, a long time ago, we weren't, you know, up until last week, we weren't taking any beer off of any batches. It was all cans or all bottles. Um, we've actually, to our customers' delight, I'm sure, have seen an uptick in the amount of barrel-aged beer that we have. <laughs> because, you know, instead of, we normally keg like 25 cases uh, and, you know, six or three or four, six barrels to have on draft saver festivals. But now canning, we're bottling 40 cases of that with no drafts so that, A, we can make money in case an outbreak happens. Um, we have to shut down. That way we have money in the bank to continue to pay our employees and be like, we just don't know when we're able to serve traffickings. That just takes up cooler space. It's a premium already. So a lot of these barrel aged beers and, and a lot of these packaged beers that we have coming out, we're not, we haven't put Jared, when's the last time we filled a bourbon barrel? It's been three months. Middle middle of March, probably. Yeah, It's been three months since we filled a bourbon barrel, you know, but the last fucking thing we did was we're just uh, trying to make sure that we kind of st- we, we call it stacking cash so we're cash we're putting out product to make sure if something happens we have the funds to be able to 
support. It's a little short-sighted, yes, but at the, at the end of the day, I'd rather be overprotective that way than, you know, worry too much. You know, we'll be fine if we don't have those barrel age, but it sucks. We'll be fine. Uh, but in the long run, you know, it's best to best to make sure the, the cat, we stack that cash. Not everybody is Save that money. Not everybody is, is that using that same mindset with things. Um, and you know, not to call places out or anything like that, but what do you, how do you see all of this affecting the bigger kind of Cincinnati community as a whole? Um, it was cranium by the way, last thing we put in a barrel. Yeah. Uh, there's certainly a, a, any any and every brewery's approach. There's certainly no right or wrong answer. This is this is a this is a thing that nobody has a playbook for. So you know, you, you it's all going to be looked back on in hindsight. And at, at the end of the day, as long as people are making the best decisions they can with the health and safety of their employees and their customers in mind, you know what they did is not wrong. So could they have made more money or possibly, but at the end of the day, as long as you're making sure you're taking care of your employees and your customers, then your decision is not wrong. But, you know, hindsight is going to be the fun thing to kind of fun is probably not the right word, but to look back at all of this and see those decisions that people made and how it affects them a year from now or six months from now or whatever it may be. Um, you know, I, I don't know uh, delivery and things like that how that's going to affect people's distributors, the relationships they had with stores, all of the, all of these things are going to have some kind of repercussion associated with them. And I, I'm just curious if, if you think that there are people that are going to, um, you know, six months from now, look at this and be like, Oh shit, you know, we, we didn't do this the way we should have. I think there are, uh, I think the number one thing I think, that people are going to regret is uh, price drops and uh, making your beer, uh, lowering your beer prices. I'm not going to name names, but I think it cheapens your brand and it also kind of undercuts your partners in the market. Um, so short term, your customers love it, but long term, you know, they're going to want that same product at that price. Um, you know, sure, they'll say, oh, I expected to go back up, but if you're buying it for, super cheap for three months. Are you going to pay a normal price for it in six months? Probably not. Um, and then how are your partner, your, your market partners going to think about that? And how are your, your brewery partners thinking about that? You know, cutting pretty much cutting the legs out under every other brewery because you decided to make your beer super cheap. So I think that, you know, that's going to have some uh, long-term repercussions. Um, uh, one thing that we kind of sat back and talked about a lot, beer delivery um and we did not do that we shipped beer so technically get it in cincinnati but you're paying 25 dollars to get it so might as well just come to the tap room and get it we made a decision to not uh to deliver beer to to customers uh we wanted to drive um business to our market partners and again partners a lot because these these uh retailers are have helped us out so much, not just now, you know, we've been in business for, for years and I, I've been dealing with the same person there for, for eight years. Right. So like these relationships are really important. And so we didn't want to undercut uh, that 
relationship that we have with all of these retailers. Um, so we did not deliver to customers. Now I can't fault anyone for doing it. Certainly, you know, I, you know, I'd like this. It's one of those things six months from now, how is it going to shake out? Um, I don't know. It's something we talked about and decided that we didn't want to do it because the, you know, taking care of our retail partners, but you know, I can't fault anyone that decided to do it. So that's, you know, six months from now we could be dumb or we could be on it shelf at you know the entire case display probably not but we just don't know i i think i saw some people doing some things that were a little questionable legally um i saw people uh uh, scrounging around like it was literally the end of the world and um i'm curious to to what that means long term for how people how people look at the breweries in question how people look at uh either way that if you if you start to recognize that those margins are a little thinner than you realized maybe you go out there and support them more um if you see the way some places and not necessarily just here in cincinnati we'll throw that out there to uh (laughs) to prevent the emails coming in as heavily um uh, maybe you go there less because you don't like the tactics that they were using or I don't know. I just, this, this whole thing is very strange. It's um, I found myself a lot in the middle of this um, as you know, a new week would start and I would have to refill the fridge because I was drinking way too much beer. Well, too much is again, probably not the right way to put it. It's a, it's a, it's a good amount. (laughs) You know, it shows by the way, it shows. (laughs) Well, I, it's, it's amazing. I'm just kidding. It's amazing what can happen when you're home for paternity leave and you're in the middle of a quarantine and you can just like get beer shipped right to your door. It's, it's amazing how much you can go through. (laughs) Um, Jason can speak to that. (laughs) No comments. (laughs) But um, I completely forgot where I was going with my thought. Um, (laughs) As as things keep going, I just uh, you know this this picture of of how this all worked. I'm just I'm curious to how the relationship with drinkers to their breweries is going to um, change after all of this on either either direction and i uh um i was and I, i'm i'm a diehard cincinnati beer fan and i i think we are the greatest beer city ever but i was surprised at how supportive people were and how out of their way people went to support yeah. local tap rooms and it made me feel really good not that i wasn't feeling good about cincinnati beer before but it made me feel a way that i haven't felt for a long time about this bigger community of things and um, it makes me excited for for the future of Cincinnati beer. I mean, yet we lost Rock Bottom, but I think that writing was on the wall already. That was going to happen one way or another. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised if that's the only casualty through all of this either. And that is that makes me feel good. Uh, it won't be. <laughs> it won't. Yeah. Be. It won't. Um, and you know, just gotta just gotta keep it real. Right. Uh, won't just like any biz, any businesses when you when you take revenue out for, for especially some new breweries are relying on a taproom model, you know, and you're not able to have taproom revenue for so long, you know. Unfortunately, it won't be. Um, well, thanks, the only yeah. <laughs> It's. I mean, that's it's essentially the seven billion dollar question, and you know, whatever the fucking market share of of craft beer is right now. 
but really that that's that is what it is um i you know every single person in the marketplace is absolutely holding their breath waiting to see what this is going to look like in reality it's it's not like right now we're in this interim there's the possibility of a vaccine there's a possibility of treatments nothing is for certain there are no timelines um you know, we're entering a phase of warmer climate, which means probably lowered transmissions, but it's still going to be there. And if we're paying any at all attention to history, you know, like the fall is going to be a very, very big reality check for a lot of people. Um, so, like, and, and we, we've only seen a few closures come through in the, the local market. Um, and with what, you know, this virus is and it's, uh, ability to be kind of retransmitted repeatedly to people who've already had it as well. So there is, you know, I, I definitely feel like there's a bit of, of uh, complacency within sort of the consumer market uh, regarding things that are happening right now. Um, and I, I want to, I'd be more than happy to be uh, found wrong in, in what I'm sort of anticipating. Uh, but I, I certainly see a very difficult future uh, in the short term. And I mean like year to year and a half. Um, I, I mean, essentially the people that are gonna make it through this are the people who are gonna have the ability to be flexible within the marketplace across whatever brands or containers, you know, whatever package or ability to have unique responses to public, you know, in-house consumption. Um, and I mean, essentially the people who can correctly navigate avoiding any, any staff member contracting things because a two week down for anyone, I mean, I, at this point, anyone in the local Cincinnati market, two weeks down, Unless you're Rheingeist or I don't know, Madry, this people who are bigger have a lot more capital to throw around. A two week down is, is a huge, huge, huge hit. Um, and you know, we, we've we've only seen kind of two people in the marketplace kind of encounter this right now, and it's not going to be the last. And and that as this starts happening over the summer. Um, we're going to really start to understand what this is going to look like um, and who's going to be able to continue. Do you, uh, do you it's, think, so it's, yeah. Do you think that, um, and I, I hate to use the word competition because, you know, that's the, the dirty word in craft beer. We're supposed to pretend like it doesn't exist, but is, mm. is there, is there more, more of an aspect of competition now that you are competing so much on the shelf versus somebody coming into a tap room. Once you get them in the tap room, you know, you, you, you've got your customer, they're there, they're drinking your beer. Yeah. It's really easy to pick up a, a, a six pack or a four pack of, you know, uh, a new England IPA or uh, a stout or whatever it is and keep walking down the aisle and see something else that catches your eye and pick that up and then swap that out and swap that out. And, and just this, yeah. this fickle kind of nature of craft beer drinkers in general. But is it, do you, do you see more of a competitive side to this now than 
before or less because people are just so gung-ho about trying to support their spot? I mean, personally, I, I don't feel like any particular change, uh, you know, certainly the people that I communicate with uh, within the local marketplace and even beyond that, um, I mean, there's still absolutely that same camaraderie and, um, you know, support for everybody. Um, so in a personal aspect, I, I can't, there's nothing that I've seen or anyone that I've talked to that has, you know, like anything, like none of this has been couched or conceived of as, as in we're competing against other people and, and how can we steal shelf space or anything like that. So like that, that's still, our camaraderie is still absolutely existent from what I can tell. Um, and, and sort of, you know, I think, uh, for us, you know, we, we looked at sort of newer avenues to recover revenue, uh, instead of attempting to push out, uh, you know, sort of local market spaces as much. Um, and so like, I, and from that standpoint, I would certainly say that, I mean, if, if we've increased sort of our competitive pressure against anyone else, it's, it's certainly a lot less locally than it is sort of where we've found avenues to get our beer into like Chicago market or, you know, Wisconsin or Minnesota or something like that. Um, where, you know, you know, it's, it's so, I mean, essentially most likely, yes, there are a lot of market pressures that have changed. Um, but I, I certainly haven't seen a change in how people are approaching each other um, within the industry. I, re- I remember what I was talking about before I got off track earlier. Um, <laughs> when I was when I was at home, stuck at home, basically, we were not leaving the house for almost anything because we had a newborn in the house, and you know mm-hmm. the chaos that comes along with that. But um, when I would be putting in these orders each week it became like this really strange decision that i was making every time i would either order beer or go to the store and buy it of okay i haven't bought beer from this brewery in three weeks i have to buy something from them or i haven't bought anything at all from this place i have to buy something from them it and not that that was like a needed pressure but like it was really it was something i've never experienced before like yeah i'll try to like if i'm going out on a on a friday i try to go to to a tap room that i haven't been to in a while but it wasn't like this it wasn't like this pressure decision of oh my god like i i I, i've spent i I spent 60 dollars at this brewery last week by ordering a big mail order how do i spread that love to this brewery now that you know like it's it's strange as just as a consumer. I don't know if all consumers have that same kind of thing that I have, but um, just on the consumer I mean, side, on the consumer side I of think, things, I it was weird. It. it it's it's weird. It's just that everything is so weird right now. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think you're you're definitely nailing a particular. Um, I mean, I I certainly have similar feelings uh as well um kind of especially more towards kind of food and and food delivery yeah like i I certainly was in that same exact mindset of like you know like these are people i would have gone to normally i'm like all right let me make sure that you know once a week maybe twice a week i'm doing something um you know where i am getting my dollars back out to you know the establishments that i like to frequent are you know i've done so in the past and uh 
so I, I certainly feel like you're you're kind of what you're feeling is is probably some kind of generational um thing that is you know like like i think we we all understand like the small independent mom and pop type places like they're very 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 dependent on that type of revenue um and you know i think we're all very cognizant of that and you know even though all like every everybody took some kind of financial hit from the shelter in place and covid right and even in spite of that i you know like i the, the rest of my team at work you know like there's a lot of people with very similar ideas on how they can approach you know establishments that normally it would be you know completely different and you just go in and treat it normally and now that you can't um you know it sort of became an imperative yeah. uh, to find that like how can i spread my dollars around you know um to help out the people that i, I <laughs> It, that I, I want to see continue. It created quite a few arguments in my house when the uh, when the, the, the bill came in at the end of the month. Which my wife would look at him. Why did you spend this much money here? And I said, Well, no, you know, I I ordered beer, but then you know I got food there too, and I got a t shirt, mm. and I got a hat, and I <laughs> so, yep. just mm-hmm. trying to trying to paint that picture of why this was happening. You know, it was very hard to do to somebody that was just like, can't we just go to Meyer and get all our stuff there? And it's like, well, no, I need to you know get here and yeah. i need to do this and um i'm just you know i'm uh, and i don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing but i'm just so ready for some kind of normalcy in life and i feel like there's so many people like in that boat right now of we're just ready to 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 just grasp onto something that feels normal and my fear is that lets that 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 guard down and um what does that mean in you know in the fall when things uh aren't like this you know i don't know yeah i don't want this to be a completely coronavirus centered show we've had plenty of those but what do you guys have in uh in the pipeline that's uh that's exciting that we can talk about uh we got some some things um you know we've been very very blessed uh we have I don't know, like people, you know, like other people in the industry that are making incredible beer for whatever fucking reason, like us. And we're, <laughs> we're incredibly blessed to, to have some of the relationships that we have and to work with some of the incredible people that we work with. Um, so we, we've got, you know, we're, we're already floating around ideas. We're looking at, you know, another bottle logic. We're looking at another microphone. We're looking at, uh, as a fun one, I've been kind of working on for a little bit as, as a personal little bit of thing I, I took a little bit of time uh through this uh you know through the shelter in place stuff and started re-watching a lot of south park um <laughs> and uh i've been kicking around this idea for a couple months and uh finally getting to the point of of having you know uh the communication worked out um but working at looking working with uh, wolf's ridge and little beaver on a three-way collab Uh, We're going to call Man Beaver Wolf or Man Wolf Beaver. Um, uh, So, like, yeah, we we got some some fun collabs coming down the pike. Um, And then off of that, um, I think we're going to start doubling down on some of our our lighter, longer options. um, Because, I mean, I feel like we saw some success um, from the package runs that we did of the stuff we kind of were doing already. But then kind of situation changed and how we were going to approach those changed. 
Um, so I think we're looking at some, you know, another batch of beer leicht uh, with a strong possibility of doing a lemon lime uh, version of, of beer leicht. So just like looking at that really crushable, yeah. drinkable lager. Lemon lime. I, mean, <laughs> I get that a lot of people want that. I, I love the beer yeah. just the way it is. <laughs> we were, I mean, we're, we're going to don't worry. Like I, I beer leicht is fucking like life water to me at this point. We were so, uh, we were camping like two weeks ago, something like that. And, um, uh, I drank a lot of that. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't oh, doubt it. Like bunch of it. <laughs> we just, we actually just ran out of, uh, we had like a case sitting in the back of just like employee, like <laughs> of it. And it just, it ran out a couple days ago. And as soon as I saw, I was like, wait, we have eight cans of this left. Like, all right, cool. It's going on the schedule right now. <laughs> like this is, this is not acceptable. Um, so I have to ask, I would be a bad, uh, podcaster if I didn't, did you guys hear anything about the label? Uh, no, not yet. No. Waiting. <laughs> it's coming. It's absolutely um, fucking coming. Jared, well, Jared gets excited in on tangents. Uh, but obviously one of the most exciting things we have in tank right now is pride. Uh, oh yes. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kind uh, of going down every now. No big deal. Um, <laughs> so uh, we're actually, um, fortunately, obviously, Pride got moved this year, um, and so we weren't we weren't like super fast to get on uh, the train taking this. So it's going to be uh, probably maybe even Fourth of July weekend. Who knows? Um, Is it the same beer as uh, last year? Same. Um, yeah, this year we partnered with Kroger, um, so they're going to be on the label. Uh, with us and uh, I'm going to some Kroger's uh, they're going to get the word out we're going to kind of like do a promotion repairing with their their pride uh, Sherbert plus our pride beer because that's what we're making it with um, and really excited for that coming out we have an ex- we're also going to make it again in October uh, so I still double dip of pride uh, unfortunately <laughs> I wish we only had a single dip but you know that's it's going to work Um so Haterade is in the tank as well. Uh, another loved one that uh, people have. We had another brewery version. We had another brewery, uh, version of Haterade today, and I was like, "Man, I really want that beer back so that I, I just mow a lawn and just crush." Well, like you get those. these, you get these days where like the weather will, and and not necessarily just the hot weather like this, but you know, there's there's uh, we'll say moments like you get these moments that like either remind you of drinking a beer or just make you want a certain beer. And I think that's the hardest thing about some of these beers. And, and you guys are, are, are one of the good examples of breweries that'll have things that aren't around all the time, but that I want so often, like there'll, there'll be those moments. I'm like, Oh man, this is, this is just that perfect opportunity for, you know, hater eight or whatever it may be. And, um, I can't get it. <laughs> like you know, be yeah. be cutting the grass on one of those days where I'm trying to get out there at you know six in the morning and mow because it's ninety degrees already. I'm like, God, I just need this beer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, with Haterade, uh, there's there's a very there's a internal discussion happening now. Talk like looking at that maybe you know uh, a release every month during the summer because of what it is. Um, so that very, very well might be the possibility that we move on. Um, so like anyone, so especially, uh, we're, we're, you know, I think we're looking at a flavor we haven't done before for this, this next batch we have coming up. 
We did it. Um, it's just a single. We did a single keg of it. And uh, so yeah, we we're, we're kind of batting that, that idea around. So like anyone who is you know looking forward to you know whatever particular event of of, uh, of that style, uh, most likely will be able to see it happen throughout the summer. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, it certainly. Yeah, I mean, you're very, very on point. There is definitely those absolute, like, uh, beers that perfectly fit weather and what you want to be doing. Yeah, it's uh, it's the fun thing about uh, craft beer and the thing that's absolutely, like, infuriating sometimes about having this many breweries limited fridge space in your house and these limited releases and stuff i mean it's it's a good problem to have is what you're supposed to say but damn it like it's sometimes it sucks (laughs) yeah yeah and that's one of the things too that sucks about you know tap rooms being closed too is like you can't come in and have a flight decide oh of these four beers are like two of the four i'll buy four packs of those go to another brewery, uh, like one of these by a four pack right. of that, you know, we kind of just have to take that leap of faith um, with, with some breweries now, especially because you can't get the tap room. Well, and yeah. you know, I, I wish that somebody could come up with something really clever to package some kind of that idea of experimentation and things like that, that you can go and you can pick up a, you know, a, a six pack or something of a mixed bag kind of idea. And I know that that's, you know, really hard to do as far as <laughs> operationally, but um, yeah. I, there's so many things about um, taproom culture, and and not even that's part of the taproom culture, but the, uh, being in tap rooms that I just miss so bad that I'm just I'm I'm ready for. I miss yeah. bars. I just miss bars in general. I'm I'm a yeah. I'm a bar guy. I like sitting down and not even necessarily talking to somebody, but being around that energy and mm-hmm. around people. And uh, you know, I, I love my family, but they're the ones that are always here at my bar. And uh, the, <laughs> the the conversation yeah. is not very exciting. There's a lot of Lion King talk. <laughs> we miss you too, Nomi. <laughs> I mean, I think there's a very distinctive kind of cultural thing um, about sort of that option. I mean, you just kind of look through a lot of histories of of a lot of different cultures all across the planet. And there is some kind of idea of the common house or the public house. There is some kind of nexus of of the community. Um, And for whatever reason, in a lot of those situations, it is some kind of alcohol that was served in those spaces um so i mean i just think we're in, in like a anthropological sense you know like we're very predisposed to having that option available to us as you know you know very social animals um so like we're we're very much you know primed to to be in that space um so it yeah with with everything that's going on like that's a very strange thing that's happening um I, I wonder that we're not used to well and that's i wonder what repercussions it has for um society as you know that sounds really like much bigger than it really should sound but like w- what repercussions do we see from this not having that outlet for so many people not having any I kind of those social like, outlets uh, a little bit um probably a little bit less pregnancies maybe 
Uh, people aren't going out and getting, you know, drinking, having a good time and meeting each other. The cure for that um, in my house was uh, an infant in the middle of all of this. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's a very interesting question, um, that, I mean, we're not going to have any understanding of for, for a little bit, uh, at least. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, you know, it's as part and parcel of, of certainly a larger question of, of how we engage socially, right. um, throughout this time frame. Um, and, and what is, what is that going to do to us? I mean, like a, a huge thing for me throughout all of this was, uh, especially with uh, our employees and our team. Um, was, was, was focusing on a lot of the mental health things that are happening now because it's just we're in a situation that no one no one has ever I don't think any any living person has been through this at this point no well even um, even if there was somebody that was around in some other pandemic you know 100 years ago or whatever it's so yeah. different now society was was different then you know the um the the connectedness of all of this kind of factors into it all. Like it, the world is different than it ever has been. So um, I don't know. It's again, it's weird. It's scary. It's uh, yeah. I just want things to go back to normal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, it's certainly, I think where we all want to be and, and you know, it, it's, I think we all want that to be the case and, I think we all also need to understand that we may not get back to normal as we remember it. Um, and, and it's just navigating that, that new, that new reality when it, when it happens, um, is certainly going to be interesting. Um, I mean, I I can imagine a lot of sociologists right now are are just foaming at the mouth, (laughs) wanting all this fucking data. Right. And, like what is happening? What are the new trends? So like what, you know, what, what theories can be applied here, and, and how can we forecast this stuff? So, I, I would certainly would not mind being in a, in a Zoom meeting with a bunch of uh, sociologists at this point and just listen to them. Right. Well, I I appreciate your guys's ability to find some way to bring some sense of normalcy to my life and and the lives of any of us that uh that are craft beer people and um keeping some kind of sense of that going in in the middle of this so thank you guys very much for that um is there anything you want people to know about listerman that you think they don't know right now in the middle of all this other than you are one of the best breweries in cincinnati I think you need to rephrase that sentence, but you know, I'll let it slide uh, this one last time. <laughs> no, um, just, well, you know, we're open. Our tap room's open now, Wednesday through Wednesday through Saturday. Um, if you want, grab a reservation. You're going to get a ten dollars gift card. Uh, if you want to risk it and potentially be full, uh, then don't and show up. Uh, wear a mask, please. Um, and then also got to give a shout out to our homebrew side, which has seen a huge uptick, uh, in the quarantine and the effort those guys are putting in to keep up has been, has been phenomenal. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah, that's, you know, just support, uh, please support us, support, uh, your local brewery, make sure that, uh, you know, we're all doing well and you have a space to come back to when it's, when it's time. Um, so I would almost say, like, you know, we're fine. Maybe next time you're out for a beer, go buy uh, another brewery's beer and then come back to us. We'll be, we'll be all right. Uh, 
nonetheless, but, you know, make sure that the rest of the community is seeing some love as well. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm personally, I'm going to go buy a, a four pack of, uh, of nutcase this weekend because, um, I realized through all of this, how long it's been since I've had some nutcase in my fridge. So <laughs> Did you just hear what I said, <laughs> I need it. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> that's a, that's just the thing, you know. Okay. Well, and, uh, and what's what's the new uh, the the Dan Listerman series? What's the is it a dark logger? Yeah, it's a an international dark logger. Yeah, see, I need um, that too. So it, I'm get it, some it, of that. <laughs> it's yeah, it's not kind of like um, yeah, it, it's an in between. It's a very applicable um, uh, logger. Um, it. You know, certainly it's easy drinking, has a little bit of character outside of uh, the standard. I mean, because if anyone knows Dan Listerman, you know, he's certainly not the standard. Um, so so we, we felt it was an I apropos thing. Um, it was a very apropos thing to uh, to do, especially with his visage and uh, his, 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 well, certainly jovial visage. Um and uh, and we, we felt it made sense, and uh, you know, uh, to kind of put that together there, and uh, yeah, just uh, hopefully people are enjoy it, and uh, you know, I think it certainly harkens to our history a little bit of being slightly odd. <laughs> um, and uh, I mean, yeah, if, if anyone knows Dan Listerman, and he, man has zero fear about putting cicadas in a beer, so uh, he is he's a very interesting fellow. Which, on that note, next year is uh, the year of Shut the up. cicada. Shut <laughs> up. Um, cicada New England IPA has never been done before. Just saying. Um, <laughs> uh, thank you guys yeah. very much. And for everybody that's listening, just get out there and support places that you love. And uh, we'll get back to normal. I, I promise at some point we will. Just be kind. Just be kind to everybody. Absolutely. We're all in a hard spot. 